Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. The Radical Up podcast is produced in partnership with AmericanFirearms.org. American Firearms' mission is to recommend what works. We believe everyone deserves access to unbiased, helpful information about firearms. And our buying guides, product reviews, and learning resources are designed to help real people find the stuff that will work best for them. Check us out at www.americanfirearms.org. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Radical Up podcast. I'm here with Nicholas Chan. He is a product specialist at Taurus. We actually met on the range. Um, I'm really excited that you finally decided to come join me today. <laughs> I'm super stoked too. I love having <laughs> my face on the internet. I, I was going to say that was so sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So, um, yeah, I want to know, like going back before Taurus and everything, was your path always going towards the firearm industry or what did you want to do growing up? So originally I wanted to work in law enforcement and specifically I want to work with Florida fish and wildlife. Cause I like animals too. I like being outside. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I started working at, uh, as a security guard at a gun show. And then from there I started working behind gun counters just to make some extra money here and there. And just little by little, we went from selling guns to opening gun shops to opening gun ranges to doing like the online stuff with like gun mag warehouse and stuff like that and then i ended up at taurus just kind of trickled in yeah do you get a college degree or high school or what no i have a high school degree i just work my butt off that's awesome that's the way to do it i think that nowadays especially with like the online learning academy of youtube um you don't need to have that college degree uh i certainly wouldn't do it this day and age that's that's impressive Um, i'm a firm believer in the you'll never outwork me mind state same. Yep. Yeah. yep. What did that take actually for you to get there? Like when you talk about hard work, what does that look like for someone? Uh, doing everything that everybody else doesn't want to do. So you'll hear this phrase, like whenever anybody's at any job, you'll hear, oh, they don't pay me to do that. And the answer, my answer to people to say that is, and they, and they never will. Yeah. It's yeah. that simple. Like as long as you're willing to go the extra mile, uh, I'm trying to remember who quoted this, but basically you can't be great and go unnoticed. That's not how that works. Like when people talk about how like, oh, I was so good at this and it just didn't work out for me. It's like, you probably weren't. (laughs) I love this. Truth truth bombs dropping here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Funny. My mom's flower shop. I learned very hard work. Uh, I mopped the floors and cleaned the bathroom, but that's part of the job. And I was owning a business, you know, for my mom. But yeah, that taught me. It's exactly what owners do. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, Okay. So yeah, Taurus, like, how how long have you been there and and what do you do summed up so i started working there four years ago as a customer service agent and i already had a background like working in gun ranges and doing gunsmithing and stuff like that and their repairs department at the time had fallen behind a bit mm-hmm. and i saw opportunity for overtime i was like hey i'm a qualified rso i can shoot guns so i come in early early in the morning shoot guns all morning then answer phones in the afternoon and then come in the in the afternoon after my my afternoon shift and clean guns all day. And it was like, I was used to working long hours anyways, but sorry, the crop oh, dust flying over. <laughs> <laughs> I was used to working long hours anyways. And I just thought it was cool that I was getting paid to do something I liked. And it was better money than what you'd make at gun stores, you know? Oh, yeah. So now fast forward, I work in the product. I'm a product specialist in the engineering department. 
And basically my job is uh, helping us in product development whenever we're coming out with a new product. Basically our engineering team in Brazil, our engineering team here stateside, brings me a product. We end up putting it through its paces, whether it's function testing or torture testing or whatever it is, and then trying to see what things we need to change, what features we need to add, et cetera, et cetera, and then see what you know the lifespan of a product is and then what kind of support we need to give it in the long run. Okay. So are you shooting these like full auto with suppressors, with like, you know, not so, the greatest ammo? What does that look like? We'll do typically we do 10 plus different types of ammo. If it's a suppressed gun, then we'll take it 20, 40,000 rounds suppressed. Wow. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll, so in the beginning, you really want to eliminate as, mem- as many variables as possible to help tweak, like fine tweak all the small components on the guns. So you want to do like high rates of cleaning and like significant cool down periods. And then as you progress and you make those micro adjustments for whatever variables or parts there might be in, then you start spreading out how much, how often you clean it. You start spreading out how often you cool it. And then you start inducing more and more factors to it to see where its failure point reaches because all guns fail. I don't yep. care if it's a $20 pistol or a $5,000 pistol. There are machines. They are going to fail. It is our job to find where that failure point is, adjust, and then be better. You know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I've had someone tell me, like, oh, well, your gun will fail. Therefore, like, this can't qualify. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> but you're judging me on something that will fail. So will yours. Like they're it's all the same. It doesn't matter what they are or where they are. It's, it's, oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Nobody listens to me on that one. <laughs> no, what, unless what you're going sitting in the safe that long, you know, and you never touch it. It's like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I like, uh, so I personally, I, I got a Taurus G3. I used to run Smith and Weston of MPs. Mm-hmm. They're one of my favorite handguns, just ergonomics and stuff. And it's something I've used for a long time. And I was shooting at a competition with it. And someone at the competition was like, oh, look, even the Taurus guy doesn't run a Taurus. <laughs> and I was like, it's the Indian, not the bow, my friend. You know, like, ah. like, so uh, during that same time period, we had just come out with our new Taurus G3. And I went, I grabbed one off the line. I took it home. That Taurus right now has like 22 or 23,000 rounds through it. Wow. You know, like <laughs> I shot out that barrel at like 10,000 rounds, which is not bad for a handgun. Like a 10,000 yeah. barrel against a 10,000 rounds on a handgun. It's great. Yeah. And I've been shooting that gun and it's like, now people use, see me shooting and they're like, oh, what gun is that? Mm-hmm. It's a Taurus, bro. But yep. nobody complains. Like when, whenever you buy, and you got to think like our guns are extremely affordable. We have a ton of aftermarket support for these firearms and it's like 300 bucks. You know, most yeah. people, most people see a gun and it's like a nine millimeter pistol is a nine millimeter pistol. It's a nine millimeter pistol. Right. There's no difference in them, especially when you're a first time gun owner. Yeah, but when you start looking at accessories, accessories matter, right? Because there's a big yep. difference between like a Surefire or you know some Chinese knockoff light. Oh yeah, or even optics or stuff like that. So I, I like to be able. I like the fact that our company provides people with a handgun that's extremely affordable, mm-hmm. right? So it's an entry level handgun, and honestly, if you're even a, a higher level shooter, you're not going to be disappointed with what the gun can offer you. Yep. And it's it's a good gun, but then you have these people that buy five thousand dollar handguns. I'm not going to name any brands, right? Like they buy four or five thousand dollar handguns, and they tell them you can't take it apart in within the first five hundred rounds because then you can't put it back together, and it's going to jam. And you literally have to invest five hundred rounds worth of your ammunition to right. break it in. But right. nobody complains that they just spend three or four five thousand dollars on a gun that they have to break in with five hundred rounds of their own ammo. But then their three hundred dollar gun has a single stovepipe with you know, uh, what's this thing rim called fire uh, or something. with rimfire or reload ammo. Yeah. And they're like, this is stupid. This is why it's a $300 pistol. It's like, bro, it's not yeah. how any of this works. <laughs> I've seen all every brand, every single brand have issues. doesn't matter what it is. So fire. I don't, are care, what, 
Yeah. It's a machine. It's yeah. a machine. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, so can you talk about, or like, did you make any changes with the guns that you were testing and stuff? Like, did you give feedback and actually were you like the person behind maybe like a tweak that was made or a change that was made or anything like that? Uh, so like my favorite gun that, that I've helped development with was the triple black mm-hmm. was the Rossi tr- triple black. It was the, so I was always a fan of 357 mag, like in a lever gun, just yeah. because I, I thought it was cool. And I thought 44 mag was overkill. And I was like, <laughs> nobody needs a 44 mag. Like that's so unnecessary. And we ended up going out to Texas with a buddy of mine, Wade Miller, just a ranch hand. Like we're talking about a ranch hand, dude. All this dude does is drive around, keep up, keep this high fence, you know, trophy farm, you know, with just the biggest books you'll ever see in your life. And he kills pigs so that they don't, you know, mess with the animals yep. there on the farm. Yep. He told me 44 mags the way to go. It's the only thing that helps keep keeps dogs alive because the second the dogs hear the gunshots, they attack yep. the hog because they gain confidence, all that good stuff. And like his lever gun had no sling loops. It wasn't suppressor ready. It was missing padding. So every time you throw it up, you'd see that him shooting the gun. The gun's just like sliding on and off of his shoulder. Uh, the old buck horn sights, no Picatinny on it. So you couldn't mount any optics on it. No lights, nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking around. And I'm like, man, they don't make any lever guns in the industry with sling loops. Yeah. Like something as stupid as that. Like, how am I supposed yeah. to carry this gun around? Like this, this gun that I'm supposed to hunt with. And that's where you see like that detachment from engineers and shooters. Like, Yep. Like the engineers, like I made a great gun. It's like, I can't carry it anywhere, Bo. So what's the <laughs> point of this? Like, <laughs> and that's when the aftermarket sport gets even better. Cause they're like doing these slings that attach and, and like hook around itself. And it's just not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the, the companies want to get upset. Then aftermarket company came up with like, why don't right. you just do it right the first time? Then right. we wouldn't have this issue, you know, <laughs> like all the, there isn't a single com- gun company in the industry. that doesn't pay shooters yeah. to shoot for them. But yep. they never call their shooters to ask them what they need. There are a lot that do, but there are very, very, very <laughs> more that don't. Yeah, because yeah, they're just like you have all these dudes on payroll, and you don't call them to ask them what's up. Like, hey, you yeah. know, I might need this or that. It's crazy. It's crazy, and that's that's yeah. that is the disconnect. Um, and it's funny because like some companies will be like, oh, well, we've got shooters that we test with, or like our internal team are shooters. It's like like five hundred rounds a year shooters, or like fifty thousand rounds a year shooters. Yeah, <laughs> wide difference. <laughs> Um, but like you see, like, I mean, Jesse is testament to Taurus for sure too. Cause like shooting with her at world shoot, she used the TX 22 and it's just so fun to shoot by the way. I love that gun so much. And she's a huge hunter too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesse's a big time hunter too. And then her, uh, Casey, mm-hmm. Casey's also a really big hunter, really big shooter. And he, they're both no BS people. Like yeah. they're not, they don't fake the funk, man. They, they're about it. Yeah. I love I want to, I want to be them when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> like if i could afford a hunt that they do just one of them i'd be very happy <laughs> now i'm telling you they're like and they're some of the hardest working people i've ever met yeah. like they are always on top of the ball i love them yeah absolutely me too they're fun to shoot with uh, i got to shoot with them recently this year at area five that was a blast that was awesome um okay i wanted to talk about heritage manufacturing too a lot of people don't actually know about that brand uh yeah. you want to give a little bit of background about that as well so I don't remember the whole background story of how we purchased them, but we ended okay. up purchasing them and we make heritage a hundred percent in-house. Cool. So Taurus is imported from Brazil and some of the guns are made in the U S like the GX4 is U S made. The TX 22 is U uh, S made, but heritage is a hundred percent U S made. It's a hundred percent U S made gun. And it's basically just an, an affordable single action revolver. 
that like you know hits those cowboy action notes that every American should have. Yep. So you love this. Uh, it'll be out next year. But I just finished an article about cowboy action shooting today. <laughs> So I got to talk about my experience. It was funny because I was going through the archives. Like I started shooting this in 2017. I was like, holy cow, like looking at the old photos and old matches. I was like, I really miss that game. It's fun. Like you said, and I wrote like America, single action. <laughs> oh man. So for you, like if you had to choose one gun, is it going to go with a wheel gun or a semi-auto? For what? I don't know. The rest of your What's life. The What's the scenario? Is it like the end of the, is it the end of the world or is it like, scenario you're dropping me off in a country one <laughs> i don't know it's like you personally you can only have one for pure happiness for the rest of your life for pure happiness the rest of my life it's probably going to be an ar-15 oh it's not a wheel gun <laughs> no. Pistols. <laughs> no no I'll, I'll have a rifle your pistols to get to your rifle like that is that simple like, <laughs> like i i view guns primarily for defense like i don't view them right. for for competition i don't view them for hunting like yeah. My guns, in my mind, like they're primarily defense focused and then everything else goes around that. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into that whole, whole spiel. So a lot of people, and I've been in gun stores too, like trying to buy a gun, will try to sell you on something or try to, you know, tell you, oh, like you should buy this. And it's like, for what purpose? And that's one of the most frustrating things is like, I'm going in here. Don't tell me what I'm trying to buy when I know why I'm buying it. It's for a class. It's for competition. It's for self-defense. Yeah. Can you talk about like the, maybe the, the buckets or categories that people should own when it comes to firearms like you said defensive maybe tactics maybe home defense like what does that look like so when i'm when i'm thinking of a defensive gun you want a gun with a good track record right you want a gun with a good track record that's within your price range because there is a gun that is has a good track record within any price point whether you want to spend two thousand dollars or three hundred dollars there's a gun that that will meet that you also want to find a gun that's going to provide you with a significant amount of aftermarket support because if you want a defensive pistol and you can't find a holster for it, plug yeah. in our people at UM Tactical. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you want to, how do you call it, use, you know, have a holster for it, you can buy another $200 handgun and not be able to find a single holster for it. Yeah. You want to be able to have a handgun that you can put a light on because you can't see what you can't shoot. I mean, yep. you can't shoot what you can't see. Can't right? Same thing, but yeah. <laughs> You want a pistol, you can put a light on. And then if you feel that if you wear glasses, if you're older in age, any of these things, get a red dot. Yeah. Especially if you're a new shooter where you've never had iron sight training, mm -hmm. just skip all of it. Go straight to a red dot. That's, red that's dot what I think. The best tool for training because you actually can see like, oh, I pulled that to the left. Oh, that went this way. Like yeah. iron sights, it's still there, but you can't diagnose like that. And then you're talking about your, your variance and, and missing, right? Like your front sight typically covers 25 MOA, yeah. which is 25 inches at a hundred yards. Huge. Your red dots covering two or six MOA, which is two or six inches at a hundred yards. So if you miss left or right with your dot, it's significantly less than if you're missing left or right with your, your front sight on your iron sights. Yep. Yep. It's hard to see too. Like, uh, for competition, my front sight is actually skinnier too than my rear sight. Cause I want to be able to yeah. see the target between. Uh, a lot of regular like polymer guns don't come like that. No. And oh. that's, I, I've always ran like a U-notch rear with a fiber optic skinny front. That's yep. always been my go-to sight picture. And then I had to unlearn irons <laughs> and do red dots because red dots are target focus instead of, 100%. you know, sight focus. Yep. So it's, it's just, it's just significantly better for defensive shooting, right? Yeah. You're being, we're talking defensive shooting. 
you're not somebody who's looking to compete every week and you're not looking to put tens of thousands of rounds a year. Yep. You're probably going to take one or two classes or maybe just one. Get a red dot. Dry yeah. fire. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, so we covered like defensive guns. What about like hunting, competition? Like how are these all different from each other? So that's where, you know, a difference. Competition isn't just about who can shoot the fastest, right? It's also about who has the coolest gear. <laughs> so this is where you get to get into the whole like, this is like people who build cars or people who build boats or like, it's not supposed to work a hundred percent of the time you want it to, right? Like you really wish that your gun, you take it out there and it's going to perform amazing. But at the end of the day, you screwed around with it because it is your toy gun. It is your build and you're, you know, tweaking things here and there. And one day you put the trigger at a pound and a half and the next day it's at seven pounds and it's just, you know, you're doing all these things to your gun that you're not supposed to, you voided your warranty 13 times over. (laughs) You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this gun, this gun is a hundred percent your responsibility. That is a competition gun. That yeah. is where you have all the fun in the world. You put all the colors, bells, whistles, like everything. That's how I classify a competition gun. <laughs> if it ain't seracoded, then it's not. <laughs> like there's people that get paid to do competition, right? But the majority don't, they just do it as like a weekend hobby. It's no different yeah. than having like a set of golf clubs. Like yep. this is what that's for, you know? And then uh, that's competition for me. I literally covered competition for me 110%. I like that definition. Like, I'm going to go with that next time someone asks me. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. Like you have these dudes that like you can get into the technical aspects of like nine millimeter and the point systems that you get for different grainage and like. Right. It's such a rabbit hole of different types of competition, different types of shooting, different types of, you know, uh, classifications like. But in yep. general the the it's all the spiel of everything is the same thing whether you're doing three gun prs ipsic like all that stuff it's exactly the same it's indian not the arrow always. it's indian not the arrow always i love it, I love it. <laughs> and then hunting wise hunting you want to this is where you get you don't have to worry as much of the right of the reliability like for me i i want a gun that i can shoot extremely well with I'm going to give myself every cheat in the book that I can to be able to make myself as efficient as possible with this firearm. Yeah. So like if I'm shooting a bolt gun, I'm going to have the lightest trigger I can get away with. Right. I'm going to have the most accurate barrel. Like I want to eliminate everything out of my variables of what can go wrong. Right. Other than what the animal's going to do. Like everything that I can control, I will control because there's already too many things I can't. Yeah. Right. Yep. So the reason why I say reliability is not that big a deal when it comes to hunting gun is because reliability technically is measured by how much abuse you can put on a gun, like rounds through it and stuff like that. You're not doing that with your hunting gun. Like you're not putting tens of thousands of rounds through your hunting rifle. Right. Right. Yeah. That might, you might shoot once a year. <laughs> yeah. You might shoot like a hundred rounds a year. Yeah. Right. Through your hunting rifle. Yeah. But you're going to make them as perfect as possible. hundred percent. Yeah. So and your experience and background has always been with gun hunting, right? Yes. Okay. I know we're going to head to the, towards the bow in a bit here. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, what's been your favorite like hunt that you've ever gone on? Um, how did you learn how to hunt and all of that knowledge? So I'm learning how to hunt right now because hunting in South Florida is not hunting. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pest control and it's kind of like it's guaranteed and it's pretty whack. I thought you were in so- Georgia. I am in Georgia, but I'm saying like, that's where I started. I started Florida. hunting in South Florida, okay, yeah. in central Florida, Clewiston, LaBelle area. Yeah. And it's like, 
these guys have feeders out the pigs show up at the same time every day they leave every every afternoon like it is like clockwork there's no wondering if the animal's going to show up like it's literally like hey there's this designer pig out there he's got spots on him he needs to go you go out there you shoot him and you go home like it's oh my god and we used to do the same thing with like coyotes and, and like uh sugarcane fields we put predator calls out and shoot them down shooting lanes and sugarcane fields like it was as guaranteed of a hunting as it gets. Right. And and people don't know uh, about like hogs and all that and just invasive species that, yeah. you know, they're always anti-gun people mostly, but they're like, why are you killing all these animals? It's like, you don't understand they're killing crops. They're actually killing the people that are the animals that we want to have uh, to harvest. But yeah, they just yeah, destroy yeah. land like completely. A sound like you can literally have like a small sound of hogs, which is like maybe a dozen pigs. Yeah. And they'll clear out 10 acres in a night. Like they are literally, and you'll go through there and it looks like a machine tilled up all that land. Yep. And little did you know that the farmer actually had that like freshly planted the week before. And yeah. these hogs just came through there and ate all their seed. Super depressing and, for farmers in Florida. especially. Yeah. It's, it's tens of thousands of dollars that they're losing every year. And like most people don't know farmers plant every year on loans. Yeah. So like they're loaned the specific amount of money and then they're expected this return and if any of that's diminished, then they're not getting that back and they still owe this loan to, you know, be able to pay it off. Right. So until they don't sell their crops, they can't pay that loan. And whatever's left over on that is what they actually get to take home. Yeah. So a lot of farmers don't know what they have until the end of the year. Like it's, it's rough. And yeah. you have these pigs that just go through there and are decimating that area. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. Bad. So you're still learning. I know that would digress a little bit. So still learning to hunt, but. Yeah. <laughs> the, the deer stuff is, uh. Is something else like deer hunting because there's so many ways to go about it they're they're the animals characteristics are d so different regionally right <laughs> like it's it's one of those things where if if you like the outdoors it's interesting because it kind of takes uh it makes you really rethink how animals work because yeah. as humans and living in cities and stuff like that we kind of want to make sense of everything to a fault you know, and then we're looking at like these creatures live such simple lives that you're trying to like glue it all together. And it's like, oh, he must be going over here because of this. It's like, why would he go over there? He's laying in a bed. <laughs> like he literally can eat anything that is green. Why wouldn't he just lay there and eat the grass around him instead of walking a quarter mile to where you put corn out? Yeah, I'd be a lazy deer for sure. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, and it's stupid things like that. And then like my favorite quotes from uh, Ed, uh, Fred Bear. Mm -hmm. Fred Bear has a quote that says, uh, hunt where the deer are, not where you think they are. Yeah. That yeah. is literally deer hunting in a nutshell. Like, <laughs> And then the ones in Alabama can confirm are like really stupid. <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just rough. I just, and it's like, and a lot of these dudes, like these dudes out here, they might not be like super well-spoken individuals, you know, they're like called redneck country ass boys, you know? Oh, yeah. But they grew up deer hunting. Like these dudes look at stuff like I went out to the woods with one of these dudes one day and they were like, you see the leaves out here? They're upside down. <laughs> it's like, how the hell is a leaf upside down? It's on the ground. You know, like these leaves fell from a tree, hit the ground. And this dude's now telling me that they're upside down. So something must have walked through here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't know what the hell you're looking at, but okay. So he had to sit there and dumb it down for me. Like you see how one side's moist and the other side isn't. That's because this side's been on the ground longer than this side. I'm like, I would have never, never, never in the history of ever would I have thought of that. I think where people forget uh, 
seriously forget things is that for for a lot of those people like that is their livelihood for the entire year it's not like they they, a lot of people grew up poor a lot of people learn how to skin deer out of necessity and there's still people in 2022 22 that is having to hunt for their food um so it's become second nature to them we're also losing those skills like you and I, like we want to hunt, we appreciate hunting, we appreciate the animal if we you know, make that kill, but it's like, I still don't know next to anything about hunting. And I wish I did, but where would I learn it? Uh, and you got lucky finding the rednecks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but seriously, like that stuff's not going to be passed down for generations. No, it's, and it's a shame. Like, uh, I was at deer camp this weekend, actually, and I'm talking to this dude and he's telling me how, uh, his son's not really into what he does. Like his son's into video games and stuff. And he's like, he's 20, he's a 28 year old man. He's out there playing kids games. So like, you know what it is to call these things adult cartoons? The hell's an adult cartoon. Why aren't you outside? <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing at the same time you think about it. It's like, man, there's, there's dudes nowadays that don't know how to change a tire. Can't change their oil. Don't know how to use a drill. Like Yep. Do man shit. You know, you got to yeah. go outside and do man shit. Man. You just listed three things that I do on the regular. And I actually need to change my oil again. But yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, <sighs> it's not even man shit, but just like self-independent shit. <laughs> yes. But I mean, like, yeah. I hold men responsible for their BS. Like, it's like yeah. if you if it. you're a dude, you better be doing dude stuff. Like, you know, how Pat McNamara, like, you know. <laughs> Pat back in the, I'm trying to remember what does he call it? Uh, oh, yeah, I think he calls it dude stuff. Dude stuff. Okay, there we go. Um, Bro, if you're if you're a man, you should know how to do this stuff. If you don't, I have a problem with you. <laughs> Just like it's simple. I agree. I agree. If I can do something, he can't. We got problems. Exactly. I'm not <laughs> saying women shouldn't be doing this stuff. Like none of that. I'm saying this dude should have been doing this from the get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny though. Um, okay, hunting, hunting. Okay, so. Yeah. So I know that you guys set up with your bow um, and haven't shot anything yet, but I really want to dive into archery because a lot of people don't understand the process of getting fitted for a bow. What does that mean? Um, so do you want to go over the basics, like as detailed as possible for someone listening that would want to go and get a bow set up to them? Yeah. So I suggest there is no such thing as a bad bow in the market today, right? Like it, for the most part, even with guns, it's like that where you legitimately have to go out of your way to go buy a crappy bow like you'd have to go on alibaba wait three months of shipping to get a poor quality bow or firearm like it's just one of those things and you got to pay to play it's not a cheap sport right like archery isn't isn't inexpensive by any means but But retrievable ammo i am a fan of yes (laughs) but you can easily get into archery for like 500 bucks like with 500 dollars, i suggest just going to the store buying a bow that's within your price range that you can afford right and then buying a complete kit they usually sell the bows in complete kits with the sight already on it i suggest going with a multi-pin sight with two to three pins and just zeroing them at 25 35 50 whatever and getting the poundage as low as to where you could be comfortably draw it don't worry so much about yeah don't worry so much about like trying to draw 70 pounds right off the gate like there's plenty of dudes that are taking deers with 45, you know, 45 pound bows. Like I'm at like 55. It. I'm not doing 75 at any time. I think in my life, <laughs> that, that that's head. what I'm saying. <laughs> so you get into that. Then the other thing you want to like, like what I was talking about before process of elimination, you want to be able to give yourself the best benefit of the doubt as possible. So pay for those higher quality arrows, mm-hmm. right? Like you could buy cheap Walmart arrows or you could spend, you know, $15 an arrow. Yep. And 
That's what it is. So whatever, you go to your bow shop, you pick out your bow, make sure you go to a reputable bow shop that does the fittings and cuttings and everything there in, in you know, on the spot. Before you go Don't into do that, it best. that's uh-huh. what I want you to go into is like how they measure your arm span and how they put the site where it's supposed to be with your nose and everything lined up, right? Like, yeah, that's what people don't know. You can't just go buy a bow off the shelf if you have nothing, like no clue about what it, what it is. You here's can, the thing. you can't, but like, eh. here's the thing, like buy the bow that fits your budget, right? Like yeah. that stuff. Your your bowsmith there at the your your is that what it's called bowsmith yeah I don't know bowsmith? <laughs> I think they're called bowsmiths okay but your that. your bowsmith is the one that that adjusts that for you right like then when you want to go into getting like a certain size peep that's going to be able to fit your eye better yeah. and you want a kisser button to be able he's going to be able to line you up with that and like talk to them tell them what you want because yeah. at the end of the day everybody's different right but just getting your foot through the door like buy a bow kit. Yeah. Just buy a, a kit bow. Doesn't matter the brand, right? Like brands don't matter, but just don't do it. I like it. And I hate to say it because, you know, we got to get sponsored by Bass Pro at some point, right? But, <laughs> but don't do it at Bass Pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I went to a custom uh, shop up in Kentucky. I drove like, I don't know, two, three hours just to get fitted by a professional that had shot for quite for a long time. So that's the one in the background here. But yeah, I, no. I want to do it right. Like, again, I fit my budget. I knew my budget, which is a little bit higher, but I really wanted to get it right the first time because I do know that I do want to go hunting with it. And I do know that I yeah. need to know that bow inside and out, like you said, to eliminate all the variables and make a clean kill. I do not want to hurt an animal, you know, that doesn't go down. So yeah, a hundred percent. And it's like, uh, you the most important thing and the hardest part is finding a good bow shop. Yep. Right. Like, like that is the hardest thing, finding a good bow shop because they're far and few. A big box retail store is not going to cut it for you. Bows aren't like guns. You can't order them on the internet. They're not going to show up to your house and it's their marketing and everything is still pretty archaic. So it it is still as mom and pop as it gets. Yeah. So I know we're going to dive into it later, but it's almost like vetting your firearms instructor. Same thing. It's like going into a gun counter and knowing more than the person at the gun counter. That's the exact same thing as the big box retailers for archery, in my opinion. Um, 100%. The arrows too, like I was getting different grain weights and then I had my arrows cut and you have to make sure that the spine is, um, you know, certain weight as well. So like all of that stuff that people don't understand about bows. I don't know if you want to explain some of that that you've learned um, to test that. Yeah. So <laughs> you're, when you're buying your, your arrows, you're going to buy them in the back of the box. They're going to have different grains on them, right? Whether it's uh, typically it'll be like three, 300, 350, 400. Like that's usually like where I'm at. And then it'll say you'll need a 350 grain arrow or a 350 spine arrow for whatever amount of inches your arrows are cut to. So your arrows are cut. When you draw back, your bowsmith's going to measure how far forward you want your broadhead to where your rest is at and then basically that length carbon to carbon is the length of your of of the arrows in the that you need cut in the box and with that length you shop on what your spine is at yep so and you need a you need the correct spine because if not your arrow is either going to blow up or it's going to wobble like a noodle in flight and you're going to be shooting off the entire time yeah i recommend if you start off don't worry about that like i kid you not like go to the store and just have the money to be able to pay the guy to tell you what to buy. <laughs> um, did you guys like, do like the close-up tear test as well? Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. When you first get into it, like you don't you, know anything. <laughs> you don't know anything. Like you don't know what you don't know, yeah. right? 
So it's not till you start, it's not till you get your bow in your hand and you start shooting with it and you go from one week shooting bullseyes to the next week, all of a sudden having your entire grouping drifting to the left. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the shop, they fix it or correct whatever you think you were doing and you start shooting again and then you develop a flinch or target panic and your arrows are going everywhere and you don't understand why. <laughs> and then you end up having to buy a different release for that. And then like, it's just all these little variables that get tacked on yeah. And if you start trying to adjust them in the beginning with no knowledge, oh yeah, you're just like you know, just piling up. Yep, the stuff that you now have to go back and sort through. Yeah, so it's better you just bare minimum, know as little as possible, and just shoot, <laughs> like shoot as much as you can, mm -hmm. and then from shooting you'll be able to know. And it, like you said, you recoverable ammunition, right? Like, yeah, it's not like you go to the range and you're running out of fifty rounds and that's it. Like you get to bring that back and do it as many times as you can. I love it. Yeah. I was actually with a thumb release, just grouping to the right all day long, every single time, like, okay. And then they switched immediately to the trigger release and fixed the entire problem. <laughs> but it made sense because I'm a shooter trigger fingers. Yeah. Don't understand what was happening with the thumb still don't. But yeah, he just like, try this. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest thing. Like archery is, uh, they, what, what do they call it? They call it black magic. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things where everything could be perfect when then you go out and do it the next day. And your arrows are just flying wherever they want to fly. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've and, actually undergrounded two of them, like where <laughs> I was trying yeah. to slide in. Yeah, 60 yards or whatever on the pin. And it went underground. Like, I, I found a couple of the other two, like they're buried. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. It's it's like, like I said, it's just black magic. Like, yeah. And you constantly have to, they're not like guns. Like, you know, your guns, you adjust your sight and you never touch it again. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. that's a, I literally red lock tight all my sights, all my guns. Like once they're zeroed, I don't plan on ever touching this optic again until like, you know, something goes wrong. Like when I shoot and it's just off like an inch or something, like I'm like, all right, something's going on. <laughs> yep. Your yep. bow's the complete opposite. Like at least once a week, you need to take your bow out, shoot it. And if you see any variable, like any change, adjust, make yeah. your adjustment. Yeah. It's I just, forgot. What are the weight thingies, the balance things called? Oh, goodness. The stabilizers. Thank you. That's the other stuff you got to play with. So stabilizers are, are, again, in the beginning, they're, uh, they're crutches. They're kind of like, uh, like light triggers for Training competition wheels. shooters. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yep. you, you give a competition shooter a stock trigger and they're flinching low left every single time. <laughs> and they never even knew they had a flinch because their gun was breaking before their hands could move. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's what, that's what stabilizers are. Yeah. So it's like in the beginning, you're just first, you're trying to train your, the, the muscles in your body to be able to, you know, do the release, be able to like do everything without you moving the bow and all that stuff and get an instructor yeah. by God. Like if, <laughs> if I recommend instructors for handguns for archery, it should be a law that you have mandatory, like 12 hours of instruction with an instructor for bow. You would think Nicholas, but we give Americans everyday firearms and like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm a second amendment person, but it's like so frustrating that people think I'm going to get this, this thing that's going to blow holes in people or my wall or like whatever, but I don't want to naturally learn. good at this. Right. My grandpappy <laughs> showed me. So therefore I know everything. And so I don't need instruction ever in my lifetime. Like what in the even? What? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah Every, shooting is an extremely perishable skill. and. Archery shooting is even more so. <laughs> like, yeah. 
yeah, you gotta be out there every single day. But I, I think it's interesting how much ties over into shooting, like your breathing, yeah. your accuracy can change just on the smallest minute thing that you do wrong. Um, stance matters. I mean, it's everything. And if you're, if you are going into bow hunting, right, just like you are going into like rifle hunting or pistol, I'm sorry, I got a gnat in my bugging the hell out of me. <laughs> are you doing like pistol hunting or anything like that? Like, uh, you need to, and it's going to sound stupid because I remember the first time I saw somebody doing this, I was like, that guy's an idiot, right? <laughs> so we're shooting trap at, uh, at some trap range down in Miami. And this dude's standing with his feet like as tight together like this mm-hmm. on his tippy toes. And he's shooting like this with a shotgun. Okay. And I'm just like, what the hell is that dude doing? Like, that dude, dude, you know, mm-hmm. it, looks, it looks weird <laughs> for better terminology, right? <laughs> and I find out the homeboy's a duck hunter. And it turns out that that's how he has to stand inside his blind. blind. Yep. Yep. And like <laughs> ducks are moving significantly faster than, this, than trap is, you know? Yep. So he's here having practicing to shoot in a confined space because that's what he's going to see throughout his season. I love it. And like most duck hunters, he's spending thousands of dollars a year on shells, gear, yep. boat, gas, like all this stuff. Why not be great at what you're doing? It's the same thing with your bow. Like you need to be practicing shooting from your knees, shooting from your stands, yep. shooting from awkward positions and off limbs through trees, yep. like all this stuff. Like set yourself up for success by attempting all those shots before you go out there. It's the same thing with your rifle. You know, like I've watched good. um sportsman sportswoman Courtney or whatever do that uh videos. Like she'll be in a chair or she'll be in her harness or she'll be standing or whatever, and she's testing different positions for her bow because she doesn't know, you know. Yeah. This weekend actually I, they put me in a box blind where my a bow and a half was the same height as the roof inside that box blind. <laughs> so I literally couldn't draw my bow inside the blind. Oh, Jesus. So I ended up I ended up having to hook my foot out the out of the back of the ladder. <laughs> right and step outside of the back so i can be able to get low enough so i could shoot out of the front of the blind what? and i was shooting under the handrail oh god and it's just one of these things where luckily i've practiced this before <laughs> i have another friend who has a shitty box blind like that yeah so when i get there i was like oh damn i think i know what this is and i sit inside of it and sure enough i was like oh but I'd practice the position, so I knew what was up. So I moved my chair back, scoot. I already had my leg hanging out of the back of the stand, ready, so I can just like you know drop down and step out and draw. Yeah. And then I knew where my engagement distance was at. Right. That's another thing about archery hunting. Like you have to have self control. You can't just take a shot because you want to take a shot. Yeah. You set your parameters. Like I am comfortable shooting from here to here and at this distance. Mm-hmm. And if that animal doesn't walk within that frame and give me a good shot anatomically, where I know I'm going to you know, cause enough damage to kill this thing, then I'm not going to take the shot. Yeah. Which is another big one. Like a lot of bow hunters want to go off targets. You can't go off your target. You want to shoot when you're aiming at an animal with a bow, you want to aim at the op on his opposite side, not the side you're shooting on. Yeah. So you want to think about where that arrow is going to exit. And that's what you're aiming for. Even if it looks like you're doing a gut shot, right? If he's like a horrible quartered away shot, right. And he's looking away from you. You're probably be better off depending on what, your arrow setup, bow setup, is what you're comfortable with dealing with afterwards. You'd probably do like a ham shot, and it would come all the way through and hit, you know, one of the lung of right. one of the lungs, and you're probably gonna have a good time tracking. Yeah, and that's yeah. if you're a hundred percent desperate, not the ideal situation. But these are things you like want to think about, right? Like, oh yeah, and then like full metal jackets, hollow points. You definitely don't want to shoot your <laughs> target arrows. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
that's the other thing. And then a lot of people go out there without even testing their hunting. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh-huh. If, if you're shooting uh attack uh, with arrows, which is like competition, whatever, mm-hmm. then set up your bow for tech. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a bow for hunting, then you have to make sure you zero your bow with whatever broadheads you're using. Broadhead, yeah. And str- I strictly shoot broadheads. Like I literally buy six broadheads and I have three on my hunting arrows mm-hmm. and three on my non-hunting arrows. And I shoot strictly broadheads. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, regular magazines and uh, dry fire magazines. It's the yeah, same thing. Yeah. It's again, I I'm not a good hunter, so I want to eliminate all the variables that I can't control. Right. Like yeah, yeah, this yeah. is what I can control. I can't control the animal's going to show up. I can't control the wind. Can't control the weather. I can control if I can hit something with my bow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So how are you preparing like for hunting season two outside of like the practicing with the bow? I mean, are you scouting? Are you putting anything down in the fields or what does that look like for you? So again, it's, it's regional. And honestly, I suggest going with like finding an old timer to to do it. But from what I've learned, (laughs) right, like I'm serious, like, in this day and age, we have lost the ability to have a conversation with people because we're so used to the internet and the disconnect that we don't talk to people anymore. You don't understand how valuable it is for you to walk up to a random person at a Bass Pro Shop or a sporting goods store that looks like he fits the stereotype of a hunter and asking him, excuse me, sir, do you kill deer every year? <laughs> and trust me that a hunter that kills deer every year is not going to be like, no, nah, that's not me. They're going to be a like, hell yeah, I put a lot of bucks on the ground. You're going to be like, cool. You're the person I want to learn from. And believe it or not, hunters are super proud of their legacy and they will be more than happy to show you how to kill stuff. Yeah. I think on Facebook, uh, Tennessee, like wildlife or Tennessee hunters or whatever. And there's a lot on there that like, Hey, we'll we'll take you turkey hunting or whatever it looks like. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Cause that's what gets their rocks off, man. Like that's what does it for them now. You know, like they've killed all their big, I want to go shooting. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Like right now. Like I'm in, (laughs) especially with a, especially with a new shooter. Cause you get to live that like first moment again, like the first gunshot and all that stuff. It's like, that feels awesome. Right. Like, and it's like, it's your little heroin fix. That's what that is. It's like, totally. it's never as good as the first time. No, but, it's, but you can relive it through someone <laughs> yeah. else. But, um, so find an old timer. Okay. Yeah, no, but if you do want to do it on your own, which is the hardest way possible, yep. and it's what I'm doing because it sucks. Right. But if you do want it on your own, something that I have found works is in the summer months. Uh, if you want to hunt early season, right. If you want to hunt gun season, do you want to make sure you do this in the, in the winter? Deer walk two different formats, right? They walk their winter months and they walk their fall, winter, and then spring, summer. Their spring, summer habits are completely different from their fall, uh, winter habits. Yep. If you spend your entire summer tracking a deer for gun season, which starts in the fall, you will go to those spots where you're tracking that deer and never find a deer there because they're not there anymore. That happened to me last year. I had the same bucks walking on camera every single day. Come that time, I was like, Whoo, they're gonna be there at nine o'clock, but I'm gonna smoke these boys. And they were on the other side of the property. <laughs> Never saw them. Never saw them again. So if Whose you are property doing is this, is this public land or yeah. Yep. Hunting public land. So if you uh if you hunt public land early season, right? You're planning on bow hunting early season, then I suggest going out in the summer, driving around the WMA, like literally staying on their main road. And looking for where the deer are crossing at. Like literally just look at the ground and you will see tracks on the ground. Yeah. You're going to get out of your car. 
you're going to kick those tracks clean and you're going to mark them on whatever hunting map app you're using. I use Onyx. You mark them, you mark them on your map. You drive around and you do this for every single piece of track that you find, right? Mm -hmm. You wait two, three weeks, four weeks, whatever. You come back out there and you go back to the exact same spots that you marked on your map originally. If you see tracks there again, then you know that that's a highway area. You know that's where they are walking for a fact, right? So then wherever you don't have tracks anymore, you take them off, you confirm that they're no longer over there. Wherever you do find tracks, you find where they're at. Cool. Love it. You wait a month before hunting season, right? Mm-hmm. A month before hunting season, you come back out there, you confirm those spots one last time. You don't have to be out there every day. Confirm those spots one last time. And now you walk into the woods, right? You'll see a deer trail. It's not supposed to be comfortable. These are wild animals. They don't walk on trails. <laughs> you know, there's not a, a fucking pathway cut out with perfect limestones on the floor. Like, it is shitty. There are briars everywhere. This is government land. This is the DMV of the woods. Like, this is not supposed to be a magical experience. Right? People have this idea. Like, you watch YouTube and all this shit, and you have these guys with, like, perfect shooting lanes and, like, a bicycle that they can rent to make it to their stand and, like, no mosquitoes. It's, like, the no. ideal situation. That's not how real life works. Okay? <laughs> a real WMA sucks. <laughs> So, uh, you, are you field uh, dressing out there and packing it out, or what are you doing? No, I take them out. I take them out completely. I bring the bring it home because I feed my dogs organs. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah okay. raw diet is great for them. So, yep. you go into the woods on either side, and then early season, you're not going to have rub lines. You're not going to have uh, scrapes. You're not going to have any of those things. So, all you're looking for is high traffic areas. Like you'll see where the grass is beat down, laid down. Uh, if you find acorns in September. Usually if there's acorns in one area, they won't be in another area. So wherever you find them, that's where they're going to be at. Yeah. And if there's a dozen acorn trees, there's only going to be one that they're going to be hitting. So they could all be dropping acorns, but there'll be one tree that has a ton of traffic under it. Mm-hmm. And until that tree doesn't run out, that's where they're going to be at. Interesting. And then remembering deer move to bedding in the morning and they move to feed at night. So make sure that if you do find where they're feeding, then you're hunting that at night and if you do find where they're bedding then you're hunting that in the morning yeah what about a water source water sources oh well i mean yeah always uh find the you if you follow the tracks you're going to find a water source yeah but depending on where you're at like in south georgia we have the benefit of having like a ton of spawns and uh, ponds and swamps so you can typically find two ponds that are like 200 yards apart or so yeah and if you set up right in the middle of them you're forcing these deer into a funnel Right, right. Now, are you, so, you're doing the harness stuff too, aren't you? Yes, Could I'm you? doing saddle hunting this year. Okay, it's. Uh, I think it's safer, like significantly safer. <laughs> it's not any more, any less comfortable. Like I don't care what they tell you. Like all these dudes are like, this is the most comfortable form of hunting I've ever done. No, it's not. <laughs> it is not. Obviously, they've never been in a box blind, you know, with an office chair because that's incredible. Out the door. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like. <laughs> the bomb.com okay like <laughs> no these dudes are like saddle hunting's the best it's like i mean it's okay. it's okay what it does what it does do for you is that it offers you a broader selection of trees you can get into yeah right like if you're doing a climber you're limited to the trees that you have and then if you're bow hunting it's slightly terrifying because you always have to make sure your bottom uh your bottom section of your climber is angled at the right angle so as you're climbing up the tree and the tree's getting smaller it levels out flat or you can end up with a climber 
like completely tilted this way or still up on an angle and now you're shooting off an angle platform yeah super so fun. It's, it's sketchy i i hate it yeah. I absolutely i'm terrified of heights like i am beyond terrified of heights but i know that i need to get up a tree to do man shit so i'm gonna get up a tree and do man shit <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we're gonna make you a plaque do man shit <laughs> that's your Bro, quote that's great I live by this, man. Like I, whenever I'm afraid to do something, like, especially when you come from the city and like, you didn't grow up in the woods, you didn't grow up in any of this stuff. Like yeah. it's intimidating at first, you know, walking in the woods in the middle of the night and yep. hearing these things, making all these sorts of crazy noises. Dude, there was a bobcat that lives <laughs> on this property that I hunt at every year. And I swear to God, me and my friend are like walking in the dark, five o'clock in the morning, trying to get the stand. And I've got my sidearm. I have the hunting rifle itself. She's completely unarmed. That's helpful. And then I'm just like, every noise stopping. Like, what if the bobcat is out there <laughs> and you're not armed? <laughs> like, what are we going to do? <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I want night vision so bad. No, I do. used to it. I Just want get my used vision. to it. I'm telling I want you. My vision. It's gonna happen. I need it anyways. Come on. Yes. We all need it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so it's funny. Bobcats whistle. Okay. Like they let off like a whistle in the middle of the night. It's like the creepiest sounding whistle and like a slight baby crying sound. Nope. I'm packing out the other day and I'm like, it's probably like 8:30 at night. It's completely pitch black. I'm in this oak bottom. I'm putting all my stuff up. And I just hear this whistling. Uh -uh. And like immediately, like I just start thinking the worst. I'm like, well, I mean, I have a gun, yeah. so <laughs> you're good. So but it's gonna solid. attack. It's gonna be. It's gonna be something. It's not gonna be fun. But I have a gun. Like I know. based off of my, uh, how do you call it, sourceful and skillful uh, deciphering of scary movies. None <laughs> <Just like laughs> uh, of them had a gun. No, nope, that's that simple. That's so true. So, it's intimidating at first, but yeah. it's one of those things where like you just have to go do it. Like I think about like you think about like Lewis and Clark. Yeah. These dudes didn't have a GPS. These dudes didn't have a freaking internet. Like they didn't have anything. Can you imagine a guy that first discovered a grizzly bear? Uh-uh. Pass. <laughs> like this dude just showed up and he's like, hmm, I wonder what that thing is over there. Seems pretty peaceful. He's walking around minding his business. He finds a grizzly bear. <laughs> and we're over here like, what was that sound at night? We don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. All, you know, what do you have black bears in Tennessee like dude I, raccoons. no joke two weekends three weekends ago now like I'm I was so excited to come down from the stupid mountain hike loved it not stupid but stupid so seven miles whatever down and I see the parking sign so the, in the you know the woods says parking arrow and I'm like yeah so I start running and I didn't see there's a bear there's a bear cub like right in front of me and then <laughs> my friend I was with was like bear bear I'm like Ooh, okay. And they're like, freeze. And I'm backing up and we're looking for mom, right? We see yeah. dum dums from the parking lot coming up, taking videos, getting close to the bear cub. And I'm like, where's mom? <laughs> That's all I cared about at that point. So, yeah, <laughs> dude. But even that little couple take me out. Shoot. <laughs> you have a gun. You have a gun. Still, yeah. She had a gun. I had a gun. Doesn't matter. Oh, oh, come attack. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more of like, if I have a gun, I'm good. I worry uh, when I don't have a gun. When I don't have a gun, I'm like, oh, you know. I, Things I are think getting sketchy. That, I think about that all the time, I guess. I just don't, I don't know. I've never had to shoot an animal that's attacked me, right? So until I know what that feels like. Pretty <laughs> sure it feels how do you know? like you? How do you know how you're going to respond though, right? You yeah, I guess. You want, but I just, I guess I don't know how I'm going to respond. <laughs> you're probably going to shoot them. <laughs> With a little, little Glock 43. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's where I draw. I carry a full-size gun everywhere. Okay, like, but you wouldn't have wanted to do it. 
seven miles up a mountain, seven miles down a mountain, 4,000 elevation. I know, but no. With RDS full heavy pack? Hell no. no. I, I do not put a price on my comfort. I know. Right? I and the, ever, ever, ever. Like, there's, I don't have a price on my comfort. My comfort is me carrying a minimum of 17 rounds in a backup magazine. And what I will always have that on me. I carry a Taurus G3 with a 17 round mag and a 20 round backup mag <laughs> with a Henning base plate on it. There you go. Okay. I, I don't care if you catch me in the beach. I don't care if you see me in a pool party. I don't care if you see me at a barbecue in a mountain, like wherever I am at. Yeah. I have a G3 Taurus with at least 20 rounds of ammo on me. Yeah. I mean, this one hiking, it's like 30 something pound pack. So yeah. Eh. Eh. I'm going to, I'll put up with it just because I feel comfortable with like, I'm telling you, yeah. there's nothing that phases me. Nothing, nothing yeah. at all. There's a bear. I got 20 rounds. I got 20. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I hate to sit there and be like, I have seven rounds. I should really think about this right now. <laughs> Uh, um, I want to dive into concealed carry stuff, but did you want to close out anything with, uh, hunting before we do? Yeah. Uh, you just, if you're a new hunter, you just got to do it. Like old hunters, they know what's up. I don't have to sell them anything. They know what to do. Yeah. But if you're get if you want to get into hunting, go with an outfitters, which is the first thing to do. And you have to just do it. If, if you ask people to take you hunting, nobody's going to take you. Yeah, I can almost guarantee you that that the likelihood of somebody taking you is very slim, because this is something that is a lifestyle. It's not, it's not like a hobby that people do on the weekends. Like people live and breathe this shit. Like throughout the whole year, they're spending spending hundreds of thousands, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally, on equipment and you know good land Body. management practices, like yeah. everything, 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 everything. Like it's and like even these people that talk about like people that cheat and bait animals. You can bait animals and still have everything go wrong. Yep. Okay. Yep. Like we, uh, we had put feeders up for the, for turkey season, right? Like we were just, we we're, we had just put feeders up for the deer and turkey season was coming up and we're like, man, we'll just leave the feeders out a little longer. Maybe bring some more turkeys in before turkey season starts and we'll take them down. Right. We end up drawing dozens of raccoons to the property, which are turkey's number one predator. And we don't see a single turkey for the rest of the season. And how were we supposed to know that uh, until we that we had that happen? So it's like, think about how many hunters have gone through this, paid the price for it, right? And now you're coming up to them all willy-nilly like, oh, I want you to take me hunting because I've never gone before. Yeah. Who the hell are you? You know, like, that's how this works. You know, go put in the work. Go to WMA, trek your ass off, yeah. put in the work, have a bunch of shitty hunting days where you couldn't catch anything. You know, and learn because that's the only way you're going to learn. Like you'll the first time you see a deer run away from you because you forgot to to you know wear rubber boots that day. Like he walks in and smells your you know smells your trail as you walk in and he runs away from you. You're going to kick yourself in the ass and you're never going to do it again. Like yeah, you learn the hard way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way. And then other hunters will see your effort and then they'll be like, hey, dude, you should come with me. Yeah, yeah. Like definitely. now I, I'm invited to every almost every freaking hunting club in South Georgia. It seems like. <laughs> But it's been two years of me getting my ass kicked, you know? I love it. I love it. I can't wait for you to get your first harvest with the bow, for sure. I'm excited. So I've, I've got a doe. I'm trying to kill a buck with my bow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. Congrats. Um, yeah. So we're, we're diving into, like, concealed carry stuff. Um, and I've talked about this with numerous podcast guests. But, man, like, there's no safe places, right? And, like, we're talking about bears and, and wildlife. But seriously, like, doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you're going. I think everybody needs to really learn how to carry, especially 
in yep. like in groups, it doesn't matter. Everyone should have one. I don't know why I'm so often considered the person that's like the protector or like, oh, she's got one, so I don't need mine. It's like what? <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, stay strapped or you know, stay strapped or get clapped. George yeah. Washington probably. <laughs> George Washington. But it's uh you don't carry. So first I, I always tell people like I, I, when I work behind the gun store, uh it all depends like what your comfort is, right? Like, do you want to, like my comfort is like, where do, when do I feel safe? Yeah. I feel safe with a gun that I know I could, you know, use very well. I'm highly proficient with, and I like a lot of bullets because I never want to be in a position where like, I don't have enough bullets. I know that sounds crazy, but no, it's like it. in a moment of high stress, it's nothing for you to dump, yeah. you know, yeah. six, seven rounds. Like I know you've seen those, you know, those illegal splits where it's like one, five, one, five, one, five, one, five. And that happens. And you know, you can shoot off an entire G, you know, Glock 43 mag yeah. under a second. And you've only dealt with one threat. Yep. Yep. Like, That's no, I like to have gun, but yeah. Yeah. I got the, I like, the Walther now that's full size. So it's just interesting to try to learn that platform too, though. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where like, what's your comfort. And then the, my counter argument to that's like, uh what's comfortable to shoot what's comfortable to shoot isn't comfortable to carry and what's comfortable to carry isn't comfortable to shoot yeah so you have to figure are you getting shootouts every day or do you want to carry a gun every day so that's the other question you got to ask yourself right so i usually recommend people to buy the gun that they're more most comfortable more most comfortably carrying yeah because then you're going to be more willing to carry it than a gun that has a bunch of bullets and you never want to carry because it's too heavy for you to have on you or it's uncomfortable for you to have on you. That's something I deal with because my comfort level has nothing to do with how I feel physically. It has to do with how many bullets. Psychologically, I was like, I want to know I have bullets. That's where my comfort's at. You crack me up. No, I mean, that makes sense. And I I, I just wrote a blog actually with the UM Tactical reviewing one of their holsters of like, yeah, if it's not comfortable, you're not going to wear it. So you do have to find comfort in that. that's a cool partnership that you guys have at Taurus, by the way, with them making holsters for their, all, all of the things, even wheel yeah. guns, everything. And Brian's a super genius. He is like, it, it trips me out. Like I have conversations with this dude and I just see like his, his like gears turning. I'm like, Oh my God, this dude's like, <laughs> like he's constantly just like deciphering objects in his head and how he can make them better. And he'll literally come yeah. up to me and he's like, Chan, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm like, that is the weirdest shit, but I'm so glad I know you. You (laughs) I love it. For people that don't know Brian, I mean, like he's the inventor of the rage muzzle brake and he's got all these great engineering ideas and and patents and he can machine. But like you said, he can just think of it and see it in his brain and then go do it. Brian's got dozens of patents under his belt. Like the dude's legitimately a genius. Yep. And he just, he sees the world different than everybody else. Like it's just. Coolest dude And he's a shooter. Which is a huge part. Like he's also a shooter, competition shooter to be exact. Yep. And he understands what the market demands. Yep. So a lot of times I'll call Brian and Brian will be like, man, look, Jan, I don't know what you think about this. I'm like, I don't care what I think. What do you think, bro? Like, tell me, do you think this is sufficient or do you think it's not? And he's his worst critic. So I love to put him in that position because then I know it's going to come out perfect. <laughs> you don't even have to respond. <laughs> so I'm just it's like, like psychotherapy. Yeah, I'm just like, Brian, you tell me what you think about it. He's like, man, I don't know. And then he just starts going down this rabbit hole. I was like, all right, you get back to me when you got that squared away. You just like, walk away. 
it's so funny. He thanked me because I took Janet and uh, Ava, his daughter, to uh, do some night visioning because they had never done it before. And they're like, oh, yeah. I don't really want to go. Like, no, no, no. We put them on and like they come back and they're like telling Brian, Brian, we need night vision. And he's like in the background, giving me the thumbs up. Like, thanks, Kimmy. <laughs> Isn't it cool? I already see him with scooters and night vision riding around with night vision. <laughs> A lot of actual spouses, like husbands and stuff, like thank me. They're like, thanks, Kenzie, for selling my wife on a hundred dollar twenty eleven or whatever it is. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. It, but back to the like, concealed carry stuff. Like, uh, yeah, I tell everybody that. Like, find what's comfortable to to carry. Uh, your wardrobe is supposed to change. Yep. You can't get away with the same things. Like, you're not. Like you're now, give. <laughs> I mean, they sell leggings that like, you can get away with that. That, but yep. you have to have a good belt. Yep. Right. Like even if I'm wearing basketball shorts, I'll have a, a, a gun belt over my basketball shorts. Yeah. And just have my holster clipped to to my gun belt. There you go. But uh but yeah, like you're you're giving yourself it always trips me out to hear people say like, Oh, well, we have the police. It's like, so you expect for somebody that gets paid thirty five thousand dollars a year or whatever to come and put their life on the line for you? Yeah. Like you expect somebody else to take to take the personal responsibility of you know, sacrificing their life for you instead of you doing it yourself. Exactly. It's like nobody. Yeah. It's that per that lack of personal responsibility. And then with that personal responsibility that you're now bringing back to yourself by carrying a gun comes other responsibilities. Like you have to have wardrobe that fits carrying this gun. Yep. You know, things have to change and it's some people, you know, most people aren't, aren't okay with change, but this is what it takes. Like if you've made the jump and the decision, you want to start carrying a means to protect yourself then you have to change everything else too. Yeah. And I know like belly bands aren't great, but there are some really good ones um, to wear. I mean, like crossbreed, they wrap around itself and then they've even created yeah. like, Velcro holsters, like still Kydex or whatever, but Velcro onto the belly band that's really tight. I test everything. The Filster Enigma system, I've got one of those. Like The Enigma's great. That and that belly band's great too. The sticky yeah. holsters are great. Again, it's just finding a means. Like a lot of people want to get away with with buying accessories to justify their wardrobe. And it's like, well, why don't you just adjust your wardrobe? Like you're spending hundreds of dollars on holsters when you could just not buy that t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Priorities. What, what, are you, what are you doing? Like, it's not that serious. You could just buy a different t-shirt. You can wear, like there's plenty of things that you can wear that you don't have to buy all these things that again, you buy a holster, you still have to train with it now. Yeah. Yep. Like you have to put in reps. Like every time you change the setup, you have to now train on how to be proficient with that setup instead of just buying a different shirt or a set of pants. Like, <laughs> like that's what I don't get. I know it's weird. Um, but yeah, anything else on the, on that realm? I wanted to jump into some of the events that we do every year. No, uh, carry a gun. Perfect. That's the most important thing. Carry Great a gun. advice. <laughs> um, Okay, so I know you and I both kind of travel a circuit. You probably do a lot more than I do, but um, I know SHOT Show is industry-specific, but we have the NRA annual meeting. That's open NRA members. Uh, the gathering at Clinton House is really cool. They're coming back next year, and that's for anybody open to the public to shoot from SIG and Glock, and you Taurus comes out. And, like, you can shoot not even your own ammo, <laughs> other people's ammo, and try yeah. different firearms, which was really cool because, I mean, taking Ava around, she's 15, and she's trying to learn Revolver. We found out she's... Um, Got the other cross-eyed dominant. Yep, cross-eyed dominant. That was fun to find out. Uh, she didn't even know, right? So, like, these events are really important. I think that they're really helpful for new shooters. Um, are there any other events too that you go to that I don't know about? Um, 
in uh, Montana, not Montana, Minnesota, they have the Reed's Gun Fair event, which okay. is huge, like huge. It is one of the biggest because uh, it's an actual gun show where you can buy guns. Nice. So you can buy guns there and at the same time go outside and the manufacturers are actually outside demoing the guns so you can shoot guns there too. There's the Outdoor Expo then at uh, Green Top. The, the Outdoor Expo at Green Top. You also yep. have, uh, what's another live fire event? Um, no, I'm drawing blanks on that. Oh, I, yeah, no, it's the only one I got. But there's a bunch. In, in, yeah, in there's general, a couple of them. How are those events, though, that are not um, close to the industry, like, how are those helpful? And what do you see, by the way, on your side of things? Because I know you're the guy handing live firearms to people that don't really know what they're doing. So how does that go? So it's cool. Like, it's it's a lot easier than most people think because everybody's initially intimidated. So. Like everybody's already walking up afraid and concerned of doing something wrong. Yeah. So it's easier to guide people through the process and be like, Hey, look, this is what I want you to do and whatever. So it's real clear. But what I do like about those events is that one, you have a bunch of like-minded people and in, in a single location. So like the first thing you'll find is everybody's extremely polite. Everybody's extremely courteous. Like everybody's got a friendly disposition to help you out. Like yeah. it's like, it's one of those things that like attracts me to the gun industry so much because I've never worked somewhere where people are just so open to like just wanting to be friendly and start a conversation. Yeah. Like you hear the phrase, an armed society is a polite society, but then you see it in real life and you're like, this is amazing. This should be everywhere. Yep. Like there's no one, like nowhere is friendlier than like at a gun show or at, you know, at yep. these live fire events. It's so weird. Have that. It's weird because I tell people like the best thing that ever happened to me and the best people I've ever met is because of firearms, which people will say and use the word weapon, which I don't ever use yeah. that, but it's something that is crazy. Like these are the people that are offering their house to me to stay in. People that I haven't even met in person, it's over social media will connect with me and like just it's cool. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I, I love it. Like it's there's yeah. nothing else like it. It's kind of like what got me away from law enforcement and like why I got into the gun stuff so so much because it's like it, it's so easy yeah. to just want to like stay in this forever. Like I, I can't see myself. It's what prevents me from committing crimes. Okay, <laughs> I think about possibly catching a felony and no longer being able to work in the gun industry, and it terrifies me. So I follow the speed limit. You know, I yeah. don't poach animals. Like I do everything I'm supposed to do because sure. I never want to leave this industry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like yeah. it's, it's incredible. And for a first time shooter, like my sister, my sister came out there with her wife to that gathering event uh -huh. and she'd never, like my sister's always been super anti-gun oh, wow. and all this stuff. Yeah. Super anti-gun. And her wife's actually in the Navy and her wife wanted like, you know, guns in the house, but my sister's got a very strong personality. So it's not <laughs> happening. And, <laughs> uh, so I gave her an AR-15. I gave her wife an AR-15. I told her like, all you're responsible for are the bullets. Like you gotta buy bullets, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. And I told him, like, I taught her how to shoot. We did all that good stuff. I'm like, look, it's simple. If you guys are ever in a sticky situation, I want you guys to go to your room, point this at the door, and call 911. And whatever comes through that door is not supposed to come through that door, you pump rounds. Yep. You know? You have special operations dudes that train this hundreds of hours, you know, and get shot. Yep. You're not SEAL Team 6. Don't go doing CQB in your house. Find a room. Use your local resources. Call the cops. Have them come in. But you point at that door, right? You're not leaving any variables open. Yep. One night, we're on, we're FaceTiming each other, and her alarm goes off. Their front door has been kicked in. Right? She's freaking out. I hear her wife freaking out. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is happening. I was like, cool. 
go grab the AR-15, point it at your door, <laughs> call the cops. Yeah. Whatever. They're still panicking. She ends up hanging up. A couple minutes go by, whatever. She calls me back. Turns out the wind had just knocked the door open. What? Whatever. Oh, wow. So then I was like, I don't understand why you were so worried. You had a gun. Right? Sure. Like, it makes me feel better. I don't understand yeah. why it's not making you feel better. Like, <laughs> turns oh. out she never went to go buy bullets for that gun oh. because she felt that it was unsafe to have bullets for that gun. And they got, wow. Wow. So I told her, I was like, so what are you going to do now? She had a stick. She had a stick. She had a stick. So I was like, so what are you going to do now? She's like, oh, no, I'm sending my wife to go buy the bullets tomorrow. Oh, there you I was go. like, cool. I was like, so what did we learn? <laughs> she's like, she's like that I want a gun. I was like, right? It's a great option to have. Like, uh-huh. case of emergency, break glass. I have a gun. <laughs> like, yep. Wow. So she came out to that gathering event after that occurrence. And she's like meeting all these people and like i told i even told her like to stay away from me like stay away from the taurus booth i don't want you to use me as an excuse or a social crutch for you to go talk to people like i want you to go meet these people for who they are they don't know that i'm in the industry like nothing i just want you to go meet randos right (laughs) so she goes out there with her wife she's stopping all these booths every different company she stopped that's helping her out talking her through the process teaching her how to shoot guns like showing her all this stuff and she calls me at night she's like I now see why you work in that industry and you never yeah. want to leave. Like I've never met a friendlier group of people in my life. I was like, I know they're the best, like a bunch we of are. degenerates, but they're the best. <laughs> we are. Yeah. That's, that's accurate. No, that's awesome. That's life. changing. <laughs> that's life changing. Um, yeah. Anti-gun or not. I mean, that's in like one day. I mean, you could go for three days there, but you're learning every single platform. You can go shoot a long range rifle. You can go shoot the handgun that is like, you know, 380 maybe and requels like, a ton. You can go shoot. Yeah. Uh, shotgun. What was it at? Arms Corps. I shot the shotgun with a pistol grip. I could have killed John for making me do that, but hey, I announced that I can do it. I know that I can do it. <laughs> it was okay. Um, yeah. Not funny, but <laughs> but like even the full auto experience. I mean, that's stuff that's like once in a lifetime and the mile challenge and stuff. But I really like that event. I really wish there was more like that across the country. A hundred percent. I think as as the industry progresses, we're, we're definitely going to see it more. But it's just one of those things. And then when you see that everybody's intent, like, cause everybody wants to like paint gun owners as like these evil, violent people that just like want to go around like threatening people and like all this stuff. It's like, it's the complete opposite. Like these people leave, live extremely like uh peaceful lives and just want to be left alone and like spend time with their family and friends and have a good time. Yeah. And they know that the only way that they can a hundred percent guarantee and preserve that is being armed. Like that's the only way you can confirm and like their intent isn't to do evil. Their intent is that they do it because they love the people around them so much. They're willing to do whatever it takes to preserve that. Like, absolutely. That's well said. That's well said. I'll leave that little thing wrapped up in that bow right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For the last little session here, I know we talked about this offline, but so those people that are coming to the industry, the people that are are asking for help that are signing up for classes, um, And this is like the biggest recommendation I tell other people as well is vetting the instructors that they're learning from, uh, you know, what is their background and why are they going? Is it defense? Is it competitive? Is it just learning firearm manipulations? Like all of that. So what do you recommend people ask instructors, look for instructors and all of that? So, uh, the first, the first, first, first thing that's the most important thing is your concealed carry course is not a firearms course. I don't care who's done it, 
how many rounds you put the rain, down the range, where you went to, how much you paid for it. You paid more than 50 bucks, you're getting ripped off. <laughs> Your concealed carry course is not a firearms, is not a firearms instruction course by any means. Yep. It is literally an instructor who has been has, is part of the monopoly and tells you, don't walk into government buildings with a gun. Have a nice day for an hour and 30 minutes. And some states require that, though. <laughs> yes, that's what like I'm saying. The one like, I live in, yeah. Florida requires it. Georgia doesn't. But even in Florida, like that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, a, it's the dumbest course you could ever take. And it's just that. Don't walk into a government building with a gun. Have a nice day. That yep. is it. That is not a firearms instructor's course. Correct. Now, if you do go take a course, take, you know, pace, basic pistol or, or, a, or a beginner's pistol or whatever it is, you want to make sure you're like, like you were just saying, you want to rep, make sure you have a reputable instructor, check their background. Yeah. Right. Like you want to make sure that you're learning. If you want to learn, uh, weapons manipulations and how to be able to like push your gun to, to its limit and extent, find, uh, uh, how do you call it? A reputable competition shooter. Yeah. Right. Like competition shooters are going to teach you the best form for footwork, weapons manipulations and how to properly like, you know, walk and drive your gun like nobody else can like they are the formula one drivers <laughs> of <laughs> i was thinking about it, i was like can i even walk with a firearm i don't know i'm more accident <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah so they are the formula one drivers yeah. of the freaking of the gun world right yeah. and then you have the other side which is if you're looking to use your gun for defense right where you're looking to use it for a defensive purpose then you need to learn tactics you need to learn human anatomy to understand how people die because that's how you stop people. And you need to understand how to properly use your surroundings for that, right? Whether it's uh, having good uh, situational awareness or being able to know what the difference between cover and concealment is, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So you can understand how to make you a better gunfighter. Yep. So with that, you want somebody who's been in actual gunfights, right? Yep. So you don't want an instructor that's seen YouTube videos of how to win gunfights. You want an instructor who's actually been in gunfights and has won them and is now teaching you how to win gunfights. Right. So that's how you rep your instructors. That's how I personally rep them. They cost more money, but you're learning from a guy who's actually put this knowledge down range. And I'm, I can't remember who made this quote, but the quote's basically, uh, the lessons we learned today are written on the tombstones of others. Ooh, those are those yeah. dudes. Yeah. Right. These are these dudes. So defense, get someone who's actually done it. Competition, get someone who's doing it. Right. Like you have Joe Farewell's a, a perfect example. This dude yep. in the last like three years blew up. Yeah. Huge strides. A yep. freaking stud. This dude's running it. Yep. Dudes like that. You have uh, you. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I can like, walk with guns. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm yeah. getting there. <laughs> But you want people who are are but, I mean, spending I, the money and trigger time to be able to be proficient at their art. You well, know, like, and I try to take classes. Like I just took another one with Mason Lane. So like my thing is that continual education is important to me. So you also want your instructors out there learning the yeah. next thing or learning from those people that are are better than them too. So like they need to have like their egos. There are no egos, right? They need to be humble. And that's exactly, I think Joe Farrell's mastered that for sure. JJ and Christian and all those people out there teaching their excellent, yeah. excellent people. And it's a perishable skill. Like you're oh not, God, no. if you stop shooting <laughs> twice a week, if you go from shooting twice a week to once a month, you will notice it. Dude, I went you know? from PCC to pistol and my first match with pistol this past Saturday, like I forgot how to reload. So I'm like cradling the fire. I'm cradling this magazine. They weren't going together, but I didn't think about grabbing another one. So I just tried to make this work for like an hour and then it all came back to me, but it's so bad. Yeah. So bad how quick that goes away. Good Lord. 
<laughs> I'm like that with uh so our new uh, our new marketing uh marketing director Cody Osborne. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this homeboy can shoot. Like he can run a gun like nobody's business, man. Like this dude is fast. Fast. Did he come from and, another company, by the way? Yeah, he came from Walther. Walther. Okay, like, then I do yeah. know who you're talking about. Okay. Homeboy is a smoke show, man. Like incredible. I usually don't like, you know, you always hear like, oh, that guy's a shooter. It's like, yeah, sure. You know, sure. and you see, <laughs> you see them shoot. You're like, I guess oh. you're all right. You know? So, and I hear the same thing about this dude. And at that event, at the gathering event where I met you, yep. he shows up. It's where I first met him too. Oh. So oh. they're telling me, you know, hey, bro, this dude can shoot this and that. Like, yeah, sure. Whatever he can shoot. <laughs> so when I see him pick up a gun and he's like transitioning from target to target, I was like, yep. I think he can shoot, you know? Yep. So I see him like start practicing reloads and stuff. I was like, I tell my best friend, I was like, yo, that dude can now shoot me. <laughs> my friend's like, <laughs> friend's like, how do you know? I've seen you shoot like that before. I was like, bro, I'm, I'm doing archery right now, bro. Like I'm trying to hunt. I'm not keeping up with my, with my competition <laughs> shooting like that. That dude can smoke me, bro. <laughs> I was like, maybe like a year ago, I might've been able to keep up with him. Like, but there's no way I'm keeping up with him right now. Yeah. Sure enough. We start running a cops and dro- uh, cops and robbers drill where it's like one guy starts with his hands up, yep. the other guy starts with his hands at his gun, and then whoever the guy with his hands up reaches down, and the other guy has to react to the to the to the action. Yep. We start running a cops and robbers drill, and we're like, just like point two five off, point two five off, point two five off. Like we're just like, <laughs> and I'm sweating this thing, and we're done. And then he's like, "Man, you're re-, like he he like starts you know gassing me up, telling me I'm a good shooter. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I walk away from it. I'm just thinking like. Bro, this dude picked a gun up off the table with a holster he's never used before. And I'm using my setup. Like, I'm using, yeah, yeah, I'm using mine. I'm, not like, I'm using on. my actual setup. This dude's using something he just picked up off the table. And he is it. running my ass, man. Like, this dude is right there. Like, I was like, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> I, I like the uh, the background on the instructors. I think that's funny. Like, when, when people don't test them or don't ask them the questions, it's like, you're going to want to know. And who are you learning from? Because it is pretty painful. I mean, and on our side, like, I've sat in some classes where I have to take them for certain credentials that I am like, yeah. what are we learning? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's bad. And the good thing is they're not hard to vet. Like, the dudes yeah. that can teach defense are far and few. Yeah. And even the dudes that run competition, like, most of that stuff's here, uh, like, you know, void, uh, it's like referred person to person. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're not these big training companies. Like, it's nothing like that. These dudes are far and few. Yeah. If they've got too many followers on Instagram, they're probably not it. You know, that's like, probably good. Yeah, that's not the right one. <laughs> like, it, it's stuff like <laughs> like that. And yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, and don't be intimidated to take the course. Like, yeah. it's like everything. It's going to be scary, but I promise you, like, these are the nicest people you ever meet. Yep. They've literally devoted their their life to doing this because this is what they know that they were made to do. Yep. Like as crazy as that sounds, a lot of those defensive guys, yep. they take that whole saying where it's like, what's a warrior to do in a time of peace? It's train. train. That's what these dudes legitimately believe and thrive on. Like this is yep. what feeds their soul. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we've covered a lot here. Uh, is there anything that we didn't touch on or anything else that you want to leave people with that are listening? Whether it's industry, it's a carry, hunting, anything else. Uh, no, just do what you what you're passionate about. Do it all oh. the way. Everything oh. in excess. Everything in excess. I like that. <laughs> Except Vegas. Go calm in Vegas. No. <laughs> never. Uh, never. Do it all the way. <laughs> no one's gonna make it out of this alive. 
do yep. it all the way. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Live every day like it's last. That's what I try, I try to do besides work. But uh, yeah. so how, Chan, how can people find you on Instagram? What's your username? And then how can they go follow Taurus too and, and all that? So our Instagram is Taurus USA, uh, Rossi, Heritage MFG, and mine is Chan underscore not so Asian. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait to see you at some event soon. Um, and I'm looking forward to that buck. So you'll have to send me a photo once you get that. Thank you. Appreciate having me. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks listeners. Stay tuned for next week's episode of the Reticle Up podcast. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.